0: Welcome back to face off spot, this is your host, Adam Larson. I'd like to thank you guys for tuning into another episode. I always really appreciate it. When you guys tune in, I also appreciate our sponsor Howie's hockey. If you'd like 10% off of your Howie's hockey tape purchase, please enter the coupon code face off 10 that's face off in the number 10 into the coupon code area to get your 10% off of your Howie's hockey tape purchase. Uh, once again, thanks to Howie's hockey for being sponsor of the show. Um yeah, and I got another special episode today. And I know what you're thinking. Adam always says they're all special, but they're all special to me in their own ways. And um a lot of the times when I ask guests to come on the show, it's because their name has been popping up on my podcast. And I have to figure out who are these people that keep getting mentioned. And I ha- I have to get to know them. I'm just way too curious. And um, um I would like to welcome on to the to the show today Paul Vincent. Um he his father, Paul Vincent, I guess what some would say senior, uh, has been a, uh, a longtime skating coach, uh, skills coach for multiple NHL teams. Uh, Paul Jr., who we have on the show today, both have been mentioned on the show. Both Paul Vincents have been mentioned on the show, but I have Junior here today uh, who has had a lengthy uh, hockey career and is now coaching over in the Holland at the moment. Um, but this is an opportunity to kind of, when, when certain people that I have a lot of respect for come on the show, And they tell me about these uh, these people that they've worked with. There's just, a, like I said, a a curious nature to myself to figure out, hey, why did these guys make such an impact on these people? Um, But uh, here today I have uh, Paul Vincent uh, Jr. Um, Paul, thanks for coming on the show. I know that you're seven hours ahead of me right now. uh, So I appreciate you. I know you've had a long day, um, but you're here on the show now. And I just really, really appreciate you coming on the show.
1: Uh, thank you very much for having me. I really look forward to this. Thank you.
0: Well, and uh, I'm sure some of you guys are wondering, well, when did, uh, when did Paul Vincent uh, come up? And he actually came up uh, on one of our favorite guests, one of the few people that's been on multiple times, uh, Ryan Pfeiffer. Uh, Ryan Pfeiffer uh, and you know each other very well. I actually spoke to him today about you coming on and he's very excited for the episode uh, and had nothing but great things to uh, say about you. But Uh, the the hockey world is small and it's one of those things to where uh, if I get a chance to meet somebody new uh, what a what a great opportunity to do it but uh, Paul you have to start the show off the same way that everybody starts this show off and um, I want you to talk about how you got interested in the sport of hockey I know that during the introduction uh, I kind of uh, talked about your father being uh, you know a huge uh, huge role in, in the hockey world especially in the state of Massachusetts but um, what did you getting involved in the sport look like?
1: Oh, well, um, well, my life is, is, is quite different than most. Um, you know, my father obviously is Paul Vincent, but, um, my father adopted, uh, six children. Uh, I was, uh, we adopted, many of my brother were adopted at the age of I was four my brother Curtis was adopted, was eight years old. And, uh, obviously my father being the, the Hodgkin man that he is, um, you know, we all had to had to try playing hockey. You know, and we were kind of forced; it was no choice. choice. Uh, we weren't forced to play after, but uh, we had to at least give it a shot. And I was at uh, four years old. I kind of run on the on the ice, uh, not realizing that you have to take your skate guards off. And <laughs> I would put sliding away all over the ice and uh, show them how they a great. Then, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And then being around luxury, being around my father. Uh, who was on the ice every single day, all over the, all over Massachusetts, uh, all over the place. Uh, I was yeah. lucky to to be around with him, Yeah.
0: Well, it's funny because you know I, I can say that my father, because my father, he was a he was a, a very good player in his own right, um, but he ran the rinks back home. And um, when I was a little kid, I think I started skating when I was five. His big thing is he was never going to force me to do it. He was just going to expose me to it. Uh, and then once he did, I really kind of started to enjoy it but then there was another part of me that felt like oh you know I, I know my dad's like really big into this and he's kind of like a, a big figurehead if you will and so part of me felt uh, a little anxious even as a younger kid of just being like oh like now I'm involved in, in the whole life what was it what did you did you find your father being such an integral part of Massachusetts hockey if you will Did that, that make you feel um a little less anxious or did you feel like oh now i'm getting into this whole thing
1: no i i was i loved being around my dad i was lucky to to be around my dad my dad was had amazing hockey people around him um so um i was just like i said I, i would i was lucky like i said um you know where like you said you didn't maybe didn't have to pay for ice you know, uh, I didn't have to pay for ice. I didn't have to pay for cheap gin. <laughs> um, you know, well, so, it, so
0: and I'm assuming it's one of those things too, to where, um, we used to do things, um, cause we would, well, you understand what this is, but there would be open ice during the day. And so when there's open ice during the day, there's a lot of times where we would just go out and skate together. We might not even put nets out, but, you know, there'd be times where we'd both be out on the ice together, just kind of passing the puck, kind of skating and. Integral circles, opposite circles, passing the puck, long passes, short passes, kind of depending where we were. Did did part of your development just kind of have to do with you being out on the ice with your dad, even kind of, you know, outside of, uh, uh, you know, maybe lesson structure that, that he's able to able to do? But uh, did you just kind of have those moments where it was just you being able to go out there uh, with your brother or not? But did you kind of get to just share the ice with your father?
1: Well, well uh, okay. There, there were there were many different occasions uh, uh, with my father. I mean, my father, um, uh, it's it just a god with with skating, with power skating. Um, but a, a lot of the, uh, uh, even I guess when you say when you were younger, we weren't taught anything. You know, my father didn't my father didn't teach us toe drags and all that stuff like that. You know, those old all those things. It's just playing street hockey and 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 playing on the ponds and having all that extra ice by yourself. Um, you know, there were, there were times like, um, uh, we'd go to the rake and my dad just said, Hey, you know, here's, you know, here's a bunch of bucks, here's some bones and just be creative. And that's, and that's really what we, what I did, you know? And, and then, you know, but when it came down to, to skating, uh, working on my skating, uh, being on the ice all the time, um, you know, I was always around just great hockey players, great college hockey players, great NHL hockey is obviously from that. Adam Oates was a uh, constantly around my house, uh, you know. So so a lot of it, yeah, my my dad. But a lot of it was just uh, the people who were around uh, working for my father because, you know, every summer my dad had hockey camps and they were uh, camp were located in three separate locations, and so we would have to like rent the house for the coaches for the main coaches, and then we have to rent the house for the. Uh, for the workers, who all the workers who worked at, you know, with the PC and went the BC and Northeastern and all those types of places. And then the coaches were like the pro guys, like the guys who you just had on like Grant Townsend, you know, and so they used to live at my house. You know, Adam Oates used to live at my house. Mike dark used to live at my house. So like all these guys, Craig Yankee and Julie uh, Juno, like all these guys just around my house. And you just listen, you know, you just listen to them talk, you know, and then you go on the ice and, and, you know, my father, we, we'd have like, uh working for my father. And then like if you we were like we in Northampton, like we'd stay from like midnight to one o'clock. And <laughs> yeah, like the off times too. Yeah. Of course, right? And but I'm like, you know, between like 10 and 13 years old. he you think I'd have to go to bed because I have to be up at seven o'clock or six thirty to work with the kids. Uh huh. Junior, <laughs> you're on the ice. You skate. You know? Yeah. Um, you know, there were times like you know, like even Graham, like we play these games on uh, the, the couch with of Coaches, right? And, like, I used to play with Grim, and he would, like, splash me. And get mad at me because be like, junior. You're not allowed to get off the ice. And like, Grim, I need rest. i like, no, 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 no. You, you, you don't get to rest when you go home. Like, you just skate it all the time. So it, it was different. It was really different.
0: But it's kind of interesting because I do feel like, and I understand uh, trying to put together great lesson plans and trying to uh, come up with all these unique drills and and sometimes that makes sense, but there's something going back to what you said earlier about um just just getting the repetitions in and, and being able to be uh creative. You know what I mean? Um I feel like sometimes certain drills and certain lessons are are almost so structured that, you know, you can see that kid and he eventually gets really good about running that, you know, maybe certain pattern. But at the end of the day, is he becoming creative and is that going to translate over into you know kind of a real hockey game. And when you're also talking about people that you're surrounded, there's a lot of kids that get better by watching people, whether or not that's other kids that are their age or adults, you named off quite a list of people that uh, are very, very, very good hockey players. I could only imagine being a young kid and being around uh, those types of players, but sometimes it's just about watching and then, you know, Doing or being creative, and and you being surrounded by those guys, I'm assuming just allowed you to see, oh wow, like I, I'm learning so much just by watching. But you know, there's some kids these days that maybe don't have that accessibility into in, being around players like that. But, uh, I'm assuming that that really gave you uh, an advantage that you took advantage of uh, with being able to to watch some of these great hockey players. And as far as Graham being a little bit harder on you, I can remember a lot of. You know, parents, I had a bunch of really, really uh, coaches. And even when they would scrimmage us when we were, I don't know, maybe 10, 11, 12, they would be hard on us because their expectation of us when we get older is to be able, what they would say is to skate through it. You know what I mean? If whether or not it's a stick, uh, whether or not it's a little slash or a hook or whatever, they're trying to kind of uh, numb us or give us a little bit of a callus to, hey, Like when you feel these things, you still have to make a hockey play. There's a hockey play to be made. You can't slow down after making these. But I'm assuming that Graham probably uh, did that for your your best interest, if I had to guess. And I'm sorry, there's probably three questions. There's three different questions in there probably, but you understand what I'm saying. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I think, I think, uh, I mean, I think Chris Rock said it best, you know, put a little testing on that and you're good to go. Um, You know, I mean, it's. But I, I will say, I think uh, if people don't watch uh, hockey now or, or uh, it's it's kind of their own fault, you know, you can't go anywhere without watching a game or, or watch something. But I think the difference is now is like people just don't know what to watch. People just watch and they watch goals and they say, wow, well, I I, I watched Connor McDavid score this goal and I want to watch Connor McGavis to score this goal. But they also didn't watch I don't know, we'll say, if uh, Leon Dry will go high off the glass and make sure the puck goes out and another guy cover a lane and to give it to McDavid going to the net, And they just watch the one thing that gets done. And, you know, and you watch, you know, and people don't, people don't watch, you know, when we were, when we were younger, we would watch different role players, you know, because everybody now is a skill player. <laughs> and, you know, you, if you weren't a skill player, you could watch a, a different type of player that was a shutdown player, De Carboneau. And you say you could base your game off of that and you could learn from them. You could be a shutdown defense team. I mean, you could be an offensive defense and you could be a key sentiment. You know, so these, these things, I think were kind of taken away for kids to actually say, hey, what can I identify my role as? And then excel on that.
0: Well, and the other thing too is, I feel like, um, you know, kind of talking about if you give... Uh and this isn't a bad thing, but if if you kid, if you give the kid uh, lesson time or ice time, they're out there, and they'll spend a the majority of their time kind of in the offensive zone, probably about eight feet away from the net, and they'll be practicing different ways to shoot the puck or different angles or different shots, which, like, I do understand. Like, it is important to learn those things, but I feel like when you don't involve yourself, and in, um, I kind of call it, like, the pond hockey portion of it, but when you're just not out there playing the game, there's a certain portion that you lose to understand, well, what does it take to get the puck into these scoring positions? Cause I'll even say that the NHL I wish would do a better job about this. But when they show the highlights, sometimes they skip out on all of the work that was needed right. to get that puck into you only see the very end of it, like kind of like you're right. saying. But it's 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 one of those things to where now that's what the kids see and the kids just practice the end portion of what they saw because they think that if they can do that part, uh, then they'll be successful. But um, I do find that, you know, I, I coach 12 views and that there is a lack of players that are wanting to be role players like you're talking about. There's a lot of players now that are, are wanting to be that end highlight. And what I'm trying to get them to understand is that everybody has a, a specific role and that, you know, there's so many Things that happen in between the puck coming from your defensive end and getting yourself in a scoring position—that if you're only practicing the last, you know, let's say five to ten seconds of a, of a scoring play, you're just you're you're kind of missing the point. But I do understand right. that it's entertaining to watch goals. There's a lot of very entertaining goals these days, but I do wish that more players. Um, kind of took to mind that there's there's roles that happen in between those plays that allow us to get into the offensive zone to make those plays.
1: True. Um, you know, uh, but when, at what age do you start setting roles? You know, and I think that's also a problem that people have that kids, you know, kids just start saying, hey, I'm 12 years old or a knee you coach, you 12, you said, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, so now you got to a six, 11-year-old kid that says, I'm a center Okay, why? You know Why do why don't all kids at why do kids at eleven years old play every position? Why not master and learn every position? So when you want a trial for a team and you only have a left wing, but yet you say I'm a sunman because I'm a eleven team, I'm a sunman You put and hold yourself. It,
0: oh, that's, no. It, it's, it's one of those things too to where you know I have wingers that are you know, they're like well well why don't I get the puck and i I do try and institute this policy of all the kids playing all the different positions as soon as I sit because immediately I send that kid back to play defense and as soon as they come back to the bench it only takes them a shift or two and they are humbled by it and they go oh like I didn't understand the point of view right. from that defensive position and once they well, it's like it's really walking in another person's shoes because you're in a position that you usually aren't in, and then you, you know, it, it is very, very important to have kids play multiple positions. But uh, it, it is funny at a young age when you do hear because I hear it all the time. I play this, I play that, and usually right, that, right. that that that's the point where a good coach is going to go, uh, okay, that means you need to play something different uh, in order right. to uh, in order to excel that, but. Either way, Paul, I wanted to kind of get back into your uh, your uh, career path here. Um, so you're starting off, obviously, your, your father is uh, you know, kind of surrounded by uh, great hockey players. He's a great coach himself. Um, at what point, though, does it become um, competitive or, or serious for you um, as far as thinking that you're going to have an opportunity uh, to go play somewhere? Because um, at this point. You, you know, you're on the ice a lot. You're surrounded by you know great coaches and and people that obviously uh, end up being good hockey players themselves. But at what point do you start getting um, a little bit more serious about it?
1: Well, well I mean, my my whole I mean, mean it was just all love of, of, of hockey, of course. And and the one thing about my dad and I think a lot of me and for your your dad as well, we had to play all sports. You know, we we, we to to be an athlete, you've got to be athletic. And then I used to play baseball. I was good at baseball and, 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 and I played soccer. And then all of a sudden I hit 13 years old and my dad was like, okay, this is when you got to make this decision, you know, because you, you're soon going to be, have that opportunity to hopefully try out for the UAT national team to hopefully try out for the world junior to hopefully try out for those types of selections. Uh, so then I, I, I went to prep school and in prep school, you had to play two sports. Um, but I would have to say around 13 years old, it's like, okay, this is what you're doing. I stopped playing summer baseball. Um, I actually was was a very good baseball player. Um, and then I just said, uh, okay, this is what I like to do. Continue working for my father in the hockey all all eight weeks at the hockey camps. And like I said, quit playing summer baseball. And that's what I have to say. We uh, started it.
0: Yeah. So, and and at that point you said you're working with your dad uh, during his camps. Um, are you, I'm assuming at this point, how much ice time would you say, or how many hours on average, would you say you're on the ice between you practicing with your own team, helping your dad out? uh, How many hours would you say you're on the ice at this point?
1: Well, 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 my, my follow is not a big, like, Fan of summer hockey, you know, mm-hmm. hockey night in Boston and all the Europa Cup and all the, I don't even know, I don't even know what's even there now. But I saw wasn't a big, wasn't even a, was a was not a big fan of it. Um, and I didn't even mind, you know, because and, and so when it comes down to playing hockey, like shot sh- 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 of hockey, I certainly much played high school hockey. You know, I went to Cushion and played in high school. You know, and I played some spring hockey uh some you know some fall hockey if i wasn't playing a sport you know if i played in the fall hockey uh i would play a strength floor because you have to play two sports but when it came to the summertime, like i said it was once school ends i mean we had uh three locations uh of, of hockey camps so my father would start off down the cape and then he would drive down down to uh to saugus and and just be down there as we spend the night there and they get up in the morning school drive to Williston. And then eventually it got to the point where I just stayed. I just stayed at the Inn for eight straight weeks. And it was registered on Sunday, I uh, leave on Saturday, new kids. Uh, and it was hard. It was my father, you either loved hockey or you hated my father. It was, <laughs> it was the, yeah. one of those people. You know, and he made you great. And it wasn't just great as a, it wasn't just great as a hockey player. He made you try to make you a great human being, but it was tough. It was really, really tough. And, 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 you know, and like, for me, I, 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 you know, I learned a lot from him and, and, and I always like to try to say like, you know, 1% of the people you work with, like might make it to play professional hockey in some type of level that a hundred percent of them have to function in society and and that's the main thing you have to try to teach and this is to function to society in which way and and, and he did it hard because he was like really really hard and and if it wasn't his way it was you not really you kind of in the way um right. but he he knew his stuff i can and, that's the one thing he knew how to teach
0: and and if you were to say because you know um i'm always trying to learn i think a lot of the listeners are trying to learn um, but outside of him kind of, and I don't want to use the word demanding, but him kind of insisting on, you know, being a hundred percent in or, or being a little bit, you know, harder on his players, which today, I don't even know if you can do that anymore. <laughs> but, um, what, what do you think it was about his teaching? Uh, what was his technique? Was it his ability to kind of oh, like oh. kids? What was it? Is there anything specifically that you can think, okay, uh, my dad was really good at this? Because there's, you know, a thousand people around the world that are going to try and tell you that they can uh, teach skating the best or can do this the best. But but your dad has a long, you know, uh, proven track record of of really, uh, you know, uh, being successful with this. What is it that he's doing or or what are people not doing now that you think that they should be? Uh, Like, what is the... Why is there so much success uh, surrounded by him?
1: What made my father successful um, is that he was a pioneer. And still to this day, um, I, I learned the formula. Okay. And and we're just talking formula. My dad was never a coach. You got to understand. My father was just a strictly, it was one rake and one day, one rake, another day, another day, another day. He coached me when I was younger until I was. Whatever he's 13 years old, and then we moved on as a, as a coach. My father would never really like a standing behind the bench type of person. Right. What, what separated my father and what really helped me to what started me with my power skating is that there's a, there's a, a reason behind everything. There's a formula that, that needed to be, to be done. And on this day with that specific lesson, doing 25 different drips on that specific thing and then it's the next day on that specific thing and what people try to do is that they do a one, they slide around their knee which is like bullshit 100
0: right. I, I have to stop you uh, right there uh, it's 100 bullshit that whole thing uh, is stupid
1: i don't listen when the game starts being played on your knee then sure i'll start going on my knee but listen uh it's a trick you can um,
0: just learn. It's just a trick. It's, a it's trick. not
1: even a. It's not even a trick. It's a gimmick, and parents yeah, fall yeah. in love with right. You can never do that on the ice. You can never do that anywhere, particularly on the ice. Right, and that's what right. drove, drove me. So my father, my father, but it's 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 a build up from one drill to the next drill to the next drill to the next drill. That the very first drill that you do has to do with the very last drill that you're doing. So your brain is memorizing exactly everything that you're doing. And repetition is the father of all learning. Mm-hmm. So once you start to work on crossovers, you start with the outside leg. Then you work on the inside leg. Then you work on keeping both your skates on the ice. And then you work on keeping both, what you're, you're stepping over slowly. And then you are stepping over faster. And then faster. And it's faster. And then you move those crossovers around the circle. Then you move those going up the ice. And then you start to build. So kids only learn one thing that day. So when you're at a hockey camp, you're just learning yeah. that one particular thing. Because we were only doing seven days, or days of hockey camps, which most people are doing. But right, most people these, these camps are doing, they want to do three different things, four different stations, with one kid doing backwards, one kid doing circles, one guy's doing passes. And you talk to Johnny and he had a great time, he Just went through all the station, but you're like, what did you learn? Well, he forgot after he went from the second station, because it had nothing to do with the third station, had nothing to do with the fourth station. Yep. But yet the kids are moving, mm-hmm. and that's one of the biggest the problems. You like kids don't truly develop because they just don't stick with it. They right. just don't stick with it, they, and they don't, don't. And 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 the second one thing my father said is, listen, my father never made you learn that hard. If you you might have got embarrassed heavily, heavily in some way, like my father. And if you just something around, you did it again. You did it again. You did it again. You did, it again. You did it again. But once you did that right, you got a compliment. And two coaches are or not are too afraid to send a kid back to make sure it does it right. They'd rather have him learn a bad habit and to correct a kid than to have him go back and do it properly to get the proper benefit on
0: yeah and and I can say that I personally have probably been guilty from when I give lessons, I think that okay, we got to spend a certain amount of time doing x or doing y or doing z, and what I find that happens, and you know it's. It, your dad is on to something here for sure. Because what I find that happens is that I kind of stop a certain uh, portion of that drill once they start to figure it out. So it's like, oh, you're getting better. You're getting better. Like, oh, you've really started to figure it out. And as soon as they figure it out, I'm like, okay, let's go to the next drill. Now at this point, they haven't had enough time to really kind of like, oh, like you were on something here. Now we wait maybe a week or however much longer until they're on the ice where they can practice that it's almost like they were so close and getting that muscle memory or that, you know, uh, wiring down. And then at that point, I'm kind of coming in and being like, okay, you did really well. Let's move on to something completely different. And then when he comes back the next week, he or she comes back the next week. Now, all of a sudden we're, you know, kind of starting all over again. And it would make sense to just progress from, you know, what you're working with and that it makes a lot of sense, you know, if you know how people learn, but, um, I can say that I'm guilty of that. I try and fit too many things. Uh, if I have an hour worth of lessons, I, I break it up into multiple things, and you know I think that can be that can be bad sometimes.
1: Well, and, and the problem is, and the hardest thing of all is that you come back, you said this just hurt. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, what what uh, what portion do you want him to learn at? Of the first portion, the second portion, the third portion? That's not yeah. accomplished it
0: no and, and and that makes all the sense in the world um okay well i do want to move into um uh kind of at the point where you are moving on into your uh, professional career i know that you had a long professional career uh i would say a very successful uh, professional career uh but can you kind of talk about moving on from uh let's say uh, the state of massachusetts um how do you move out from there where are you at this point um you're a very good hockey player at this point but uh, what does that transition look like? Um, I mean, do you know for sure that you're going, um, can you kind of talk about that transition?
1: Well, this was, the, uh, okay. So, so, uh, briefly just get, I, I grew up in the streets. Uh, my mother, my mother, uh, my mother would, was a junkie, mm-hmm. and, and kicked both me and my brother out, uh, when we were really, really, really young, like infants. And uh, I I developed a learning disability from six, uh from living on the streets and, and the things that I had to endure from there. So school was really, really tough. And I went to prep school and I was heavily recruited by just about anywhere I want to go. But I couldn't get above seven shifty on your SATs is what you needed to get uh to go to college. So I could have gone almost anywhere I want to go. Right? And and so I went three years of prep school hockey. So You Jeff to go and play me as a junior. <laughs>
0: oh, my, yeah. mm-hmm.
1: So, so, but this is now the 93, uh, I was drafted. So 94, 93, 94 season, uh, this is like, no one's going to make you, you know? And, 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 and that the first person goal is John Lilly. I don't know if you know John Lilly or not John played in the NHL, works in San Jose, so John went to cushion. He said, Paul, why don't you come out and play in Seattle? And you got Walt Kyle, Walt Kyle was a coach and, uh, a coach and in, in, in the Rangers. Once you go play major teams, my father says to me, well, you're going to get drafted, we're going to get a draft. Uh, and I spent it pretty well. The quickest way to go to the NHL is to play major junior. And so I said, okay, dad. And whatever my father told me, I always did, boom, I, that's, that was it. And that was the way it went. So I went to Seattle, uh, played for Walt Kyle. Bernie Witt was here, uh, Chris Herberger, uh, Chris Wells. He we had a really good team, did very well. Um, then, uh, the Don Bachmar came in the following year, uh, um, well, went to, went on to the NHL and I'm a big guy. I mean, I'm, I'm six, five, two thirty, Um, and I didn't shit realm of a big guy role in 1994. And I didn't mind fighting. Um, you know, I could, uh, I, I think at that time, I don't, anyone had to, but Don Bachmar wanted me to become a fighter. And he said, Paul, do you want to play in the NHL? He called me in and he said, I said, sure. And he said, well, for you to play in the NHL, you to play 25 times and you got to fight and you got to score 50 goals. And I said, ah, oh, man, like I just want well shifty, but right, I can't get to 25. I mean, we're talking, I mean, we're talking heavyweights. except we're in the, every, every team that went to hockey, had a heavyweight that played in, in the NHL, Kurt Sawyer, and uh, Stratton and drove again lot Curtis Sawyer. And I mean, I couldn't go on not on, on So I'm like, okay, uh, I can't do that for you. So he said, okay, we're going to trade you to Swift Carter. And, and that's what Todd McClellan was. Todd McClellan was my coach uh, in, in Swift. And that was actually his first year of coaching professional hockey in major junior. And that guy taught me so much. I, he, he taught me so much. He was, he was a great center and He actually played in Holland. I didn't know that. Um, and I had a great year and, uh, I scored 60 goals and 15, 59 goals in 60 games. And, uh, it was a great thing playing the Western hockey league and playing in the prairies. And, uh, it was, uh, it was a good life. It was different. They would pull the shit. <laughs> you think, you know, like I can swear or not, but yeah. Oh, yeah, you can. It was You're both. Good. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And so that's where it went from there. And that was a major junior and then I was drafted by Toronto and, uh, yeah. Um, And that was, that was the next step.
0: Yes. Well, and, you know, and the interesting thing is that, you know, uh, kind of looking at your career, um, I mean, you put up points. I mean, year after year, after year, after year, after year, um, with you being kind of a a bigger guy, like you said, you're you're 6'5", you know, kind of, I don't know if you'd say you're a power forward type, but obviously you have to have a lot of skill there. Um, Do you at any point kind of think about, um what that guy said as far as you know hey like you know we need to have you fight this often in order to make it because at at this point like i mean you are a skilled guy do you think that sometimes people are just looking at your, you know your size or whatever and and trying to make you into something else or or what do you think that uh, like what 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 do you what do you what do you think that that is because if if you were to look at your uh you know your, your stats and your career uh, you wouldn't think like, oh, this is a big guy that needs to be fighting, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Um no, but uh, do you want to play in the NHL? And right. that's simply yeah, that's, that's simply what it comes down to it, you know? Yeah. And and yeah. Bath and in, And I could tell you yeah, I mean listen I mean look okay, look at Nick Chafiel's Nick Chupier, of course sixty six gold in Junior and had like seventy penalty minutes. And then three years later, he's got 300 in the NHL. He, you know, I mean, and and, and I I don't want, that not, I don't mind fighting. I and mean, then so fighting was, it is not the problem. I don't want to fight every night. And I don't right. want to fight those guys. And I don't want to have to have the, have the, have the pressure. I, I don't mind the pressure having to have to score goals and fight and play the body and do that. Night after night, after night, after night, after night, I psych, I psychologically did not have that in me. Like other men do. Right.
0: Well, yeah, but I mean, if you're thinking about the longe- longevity of your career, because you did play for, for quite a while, I mean, I'm assuming that that's p- part of that is just kind of an investment in yourself and your own well being. saying, Hey, like I, I plan on playing and I, I, you know, that's for a long time. I don't think it's uh, fighting, you know, 50 times in in a season or, or, you know, uh, whatever it is that they're asking to do. But um, I just think that there's a lot of, um, there's just a lot of super skilled guys that uh, end up kind of getting that uh, request if they will. And sometimes they, um, you know, they want to do it and sometimes they don't. But uh, I just haven't had that many people on the podcast yet at this point have been in that position to where they're a big it's being asked to do those things. So sometimes I have to ask these questions, but I do want to move a little bit forward into um you kind of moving on from playing uh into coaching, because that's what you're doing now. Um at what point did you kind of say, Hey, um I'm getting closer to the end of my career? And then was there any gap in between you uh, you know, playing and then coaching? Did you take a break from hockey? Or did you kind of know that, Hey, this is going to be something that I'm going to continue with.
1: Um, well, of course you always know you, you got to retire sometime. And, and I was 37 and I think my last year I had, I um, don't know, 80 some points or something like that, and it just ended. I mean, it just, it just ended. Um, and that's just the way sometimes that it goes. And, and I obviously knew I could have played and kept playing. And obviously I played more after that, but I always knew I was wanting to get into coaching. I always knew I was wanting to get into development. Um, I enjoy the skill development part more, um, uh, uh more than coaching. I enjoy coaching. Um, the, the, uh, the problem is, is that I don't get excited. I had a hard time with the understanding how sometimes people don't see things, mm-hmm. you know, and, and how they should don't evaluate things quicker. Um, I, I'm, I'm a highly skilled person, but I don't play highly skilled Hawks, I, I, I believe you have to master the basics and you have to play what the game gives you. And then you have to use your skill once you take advantage of what the game gives. Right. And too many people try to reinvent the wheel. And that's what, what I had a hard time with me mm. with stretchy especially skilled at all. So I knew I wanted to get into that, and I got a real. I got. I I retired, and I got really, really lucky. A guy asked me if I wanted to do this thing called CTO, and a CTO was like uh, USA Hockey, where all the young kids would come in, and 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 uh, we'd save the morning time, and I'd do the skill development. And this guy named Bo Schuber, uh, who coaches in the GEL, too. Uh, Amazing guy, amazing coach, rather successful. So knowledgeable, and I learned how, how unique to be, because I'm not very good at paperwork and, and educate on totally. uh, stand prop and stuff like that. When it comes to hockey, I, I'll blow your brains But if I have to show you my ideas, I'll, I, I'll get ready for it, and it just can't happen. But so if I just come in and do it, you'll, you'll enjoy it. Uh, so I learned, I, I got the assistant coaching job from that, and I got the U18 coaching job, I got the u assistant coaching job, I got the U20 assistant coaching job, and from that, I got a coach in john and john place called Heron And it's in Belgium. And it was an outside rink, And it was beautiful. It was in the forest. It was awesome. I loved it. It was like you back in the day. And from there, I was coaching the Belgian national team. Uh from the Belgian national team. I was always doing my own summer clinics and my own summer camps and stuff like that. Um, but I don't I don't do big hockey schools. I want 12 people on the ice. Uh I kept people pay for problems. They don't pay for 25 people to go from station to station and some guy has his chance. like they have some 17 year old kid that's teaching whatever you know the people Mm -hmm. come pay for pay for pay for me um but i'll get into my type of teaching later but so so uh i i got this opportunity and then i got a job in this place called layage which in the french-speaking part of belgium um and i was there for five years um, and that was right before Corona and, and I'm the type of person that kind of needs stuff to happen. And then I just get my ass in gear and I go even further, um, uh, because of all I've struggled, I've struggled my whole life. I'm a fighter my whole life. And sometimes I get a little bit complacent. So, so I was coaching and then all of a sudden I got fired, like just out of the book, like just literally, uh, the, I was doing the youth, uh, we won three championships in five years and we had never won a championship in 25 years. Uh, we what I won, which is called the Belgian championship. And I went to the team. The team was a very struggling, struggling team. I, I love struggling teams and watching them grow. I, am a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a flipper is the best way to say it. I, I love that. That's the best way of doing it. Don't, I don't want highly skilled teams cause they're not going to work as hard. I want younger or less skilled teams where you can just demand and have them work and have them play the structure system. And that's what I really enjoyed. Uh, and then I got fired. And and then all of a sudden Tirone hit, and that was like the best thing that happened to me because all the race was shut down and we could work on outside race. So I had like people driving from Germany and 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 all these people who would who had never come to me or never wouldn't have come to me, but they would just take it to Rice. And then actually, one thing led to another. Tirone uh, ended. I I signed with the clubs I work now in door and I am um, busy, just busy, 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 busy. And and I love it because uh, I I don't teach. You talked you, you you brought up about uh, skill development, teaching stuff like that. And I and I hate to say it, and I hate to say it before. Most of the stuff you see is crap. Mm-hmm. I, I I I can't stand people who jump over ropes and make power turns and and stick handles through pucks and then stop and then turn back and from here and go back from there and take a shot. You're like, okay, what the hell did you just do? What did you just work on? And 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 with kids. You have to teach them what's happening now and what's happening next. You have to teach them what to identify on the ice and how to get away from those situations from the left and then from the right. Because either one of those footage are going to happen. And the more you teach drills that are game-like situations that will, I teach offensive situations that will occur and you have to learn to adapt to them. Whether you punch with your foot or you drag your toe. And 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 how everything needs to be done properly, and 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 where the puck has to be. People never talk about puck placement. They never talk about how the puck actually needs to go to your toe. Everything, every single time, everything that you do is toe to toe. You slide out to the puck to your toe. your blade because you, you can slide your bottom hand down. You slide the puck across your body, and as the and you need a straight line from the toe of your blade all the way to the toe of your pocket. just reaching out from here. So that way you can come directly across your body from there. So in a lot of times, like people teach your head up. You teach kids to have their head up. Like it's like what was possible to teach kids with their head up? Because the game is not really truly played with your head up. Truly, yep. The game is played like evaluating where people are going to be and making decisions. But what people don't teach, and it's something that I was taught when I was like, I think I was like a levy. He was a guy from Czech. He comes on old. I don't know if you've ever heard this or not. They say, Tiki, skate with your head up, right? Sure. You ever heard someone say, skate with your head slightly down? And then you would use the bottom of your eyes. And then you use the bottom of your eyes to look at your sheep. And then when you can count, to so where, where their feet go, then you start to counteract it. So you already know in advance, you can still use the upper part of your eyes, using your peripheral going on from there. Mm-hmm. And then you start to counteract their sheep. So right. the guy steps out. you will transfer the weight, you watch your feet, and that's how you start to learn to use and take advantage. And every split second is so important. Right. So if your head is up, directly looking up, you don't see those movements. Oof. You don't catch those movements. So you may be able to beat them, but you don't beat them by that extra make them here. You're now here instead of now there. How we want yeah. to see it? And yeah. now you have to create – that's how you create better or more, more time and space.
0: Well, and then the, – the, so, and it, it's so great, and I'm glad you said – because I talk about peripheral vision quite a bit uh, with my players. And, uh, I've coached a lot of different age groups. Last year, I coached 12U. But once they kind of get to understand it, they understand it. It's not um, – but it's also something that they they kind of have to learn. And once they realize, like, oh, like, I can – see more than what i'm focused on if that makes sense um i really do feel like they become better players and as far as like the way that a lot of these drills are being uh, put i i kind of blame social media i kind of blame drills i kind of blame drills looking like they're doing something because you can look at them and if you didn't know any better you would say wow that's very it takes a lot of skill to do that or you would say, like, hey, like, this is like really impressive, uh, but it's not actually replicating the, the sport itself. But I feel like it is now, it, and I know a handful of people that are involved in this and nothing against these people, but it's almost like it's like selling the drill to people that don't know what they're actually looking at. Um, and I'm not trying to, this is a positive podcast, but I do hate seeing these instagram uh, drills and the some of these other ones to where it's like this isn't te- teaching that kid anything that may have been impressive like what he was able to pull off but he didn't learn anything from that does that make sense and does that
1: i i believe that uh, they don't talk about the key points they don't talk about the important things on on, on the on, on what needs to get done in the drill to make to be to help the drill to become successful they don't talk about you know i mean we've, we were saying before that the for you to look and your the elbow and your knee have to be extended at the same time. So so that way, when you pull the puck across your body, the elbow and the knee have to come back directly into the body. So when you're pulling that puck right across your body from the, on the left, your righty, you pull that puck straight across your body for my left hand, it goes right across my knees to my my foot. Why? Because you're setting people up for the next fake. That next fate has to go to the foot. And the more you go to the foot, the more the people lean. The more the people lean, the more you can get them off of their edges, off right. of balance. If you only bring the puck to the middle of your body, then that guy has a better chance of taking out, taking out or right. taking the puck out. The more you shift the puck to, or to the other side of the foot, and where puck placement is so important, now that guy has to counter the weight. And now, what you teach is what we've talked in a vision before. What happens now? What happens next? Well, what happens now? is The defenseman shifts his weight. And he tries to counter his weight. Well, then you cut back, and then you go from there. What happens next? You keep going, and then you set another fake up there because now you you the defenseman doesn't fall for it, and you start to beat him right. because he didn't fall for it. Either one or two has to happen, and if you don't teach one that that will happen. Not the time, right? Because either one of the two out there. But what happens to the other half of the time where that doesn't work? Well, he's most likely going to be this unsuccessful 50% of the time. Right. That's out of action. Out of action.
0: Yeah. And, and I, I try and tell my skaters, that, I mean, if you're, um, obviously you can use Connor McDavid as, as an example, but the, the, the person that you're skating against, usually if you're entering the zone, is skating backwards. At this point, you should have an advantage either way because they're skating backwards, you're skating forwards. But also, they are reacting to you. I feel like at at the end of the day, if you can kind of read their body position and see which direction their shoulders are facing, you should have all the advantage in the world to at least, I'm not saying completely beat that defender, but you should be able to put yourself in a pretty good position. But like you were saying, like you have to be able to actually look and see um, what that defender is is showing you uh, if you will but what i try and tell them all the time is just just picking one lane just try and shoot down the de- the the defender doesn't even have to be that good of a skater to just kind of like reach you at your you know most successful point if that's what you want to call it but um the game is just about deception now and a lot of that is vision a lot of that is peripheral vision like we were talking about before but <laughs> it's one of those to where it's like I, you know, I don't see how there's not more, you know, forwards beating defensemen on some of these, uh, these entries. It's just, um, and then, and we, then are, I, go ahead.
1: Are we, are we talking 11 year olds or are we talking freshie?
0: Uh, well, to be honest with you, I was just about to say, I was speaking, speaking about my 12 year olds, but, um, we can, we can talk about everything. My 12 year olds still try and skate through. If they see a defenseman, they're going to lock onto them and they're going to try and skate literally right through them. I, I can't get that out of their heads. They just see something and they try and go mess with it instead of just trying to allow themselves to not be messed with. I try and tell them just don't be messed with. Go around that skater like you go around that player. It might not happen as much in the older groups, but it just drives me wild. And I love my twelve views. It's been probably one of my favorite seasons of coaching so far. But they just they see that defender and then they skate right towards them because they want to put it through them somehow. It, it just drives me nuts. But these are twelve.
1: I, I think I think kids see, and, and I think again, also one of the biggest problems is that most kids shoot pucks from the middle of the ice. Yes. So where do they want to take the puck to?
0: Right, but I told right. them right. not to. But I told them not to, Paul.
1: But, but if you do, <laughs> okay. If you tell them not to, or you twelve <laughs> drills that forces them to go wide, do they shoot the puck? Maybe they, they'll catch on.
0: Yeah, see, Paul, that does make sense. I would rather just continue to yell and be disappointed.
1: But, <laughs> hey, you know, to prevent you killed, man, of course. But I, I do understand, though, oh, when, you're, when you're 11 years old, and especially when she see kills, I mean, if you just literally skate, you could look like Tony the Gamer to the NHL. Like, kind of like, if you have speed, you just skate wide and keep that foot cannot skate good enough right. backwards. But if okay. chip doesn't look good, she ain't alive it looks better than trying to split the D and go and pop it top cheddar back in, you know? So yeah, yeah, it's all, it's all perspectives, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, uh, I tr- trust me. I get it. I, I have been told multiple times by my uh, 12 views that it's all about the sellies and the snipes and the, I've heard every sort of thing that you could and I try and tell them it's not about sellies or snipes, but that's what they see. Cause that's what the NHL highlights now. Uh, so, right. It's about uh, sellies and snipes, I guess. Uh,
1: but uh, yeah, but uh, sadly, sadly, that's only promote. We I mean, like we said before, though it's it's, it's not the given go pass. You know, you you don't see a lot of plays where people are, are making good create plays. You know, they don't only highlight of uh, guys if blocking shots and yeah. then going from there. You know, it, it's it's always the Tony Toews You know, or or the scoop up from behind the nets that you know, wow, won't get killed anymore. But oh, hey, that's that's well, hockey nowadays.
0: Yeah, it uh, certainly has, uh, has changed a little bit here. Um, well, Paul, I wanted to say, again, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, there is just one last portion of this. Unless you, you think we've missed anything, we certainly go back to it. Um, but there's just one last portion of the show, uh, and this one's called the shout-out. Um, essentially, you just have to say anything that's positive. That uh, Young players – actually, it doesn't have to be a young player. It can be anybody – uh, can take away from uh, what you might have to say. Some people shout out friends and family. Some people do like a mantra, like a coaching mantra. Uh, some people do, I don't know. There's been a whole bunch of different shout outs on the podcast, but do you understand the rules? And um, is there anything positive that you can um, say uh, about anything?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, kind Shout out to everyone out there who uh, uh, listen to the podcast. Um, um, I think the biggest thing is treat people how you want to be treated. Um, I think that's a really big lesson that is, uh, to be learned and, uh, um, you know, I mean, as, and, and enjoy, enjoy hockey, enjoy the moment, enjoy the time. And let kids be kids. We're not trying to create Joe players at 12 years old and, and, and I, I you know, let kids have fun uh let's kids enjoy themselves and, and let the kids play um stop trying to live vicariously through them and uh what they want to do uh in their dreams and the success that they have um you know maybe keep it uh, uh keep it down a little bit and you don't know, have post everything and let them be humble um and look, you know let them enjoy it and not have to tell everybody um, because that's truly what I think hockey players really are, you know, hockey players don't really tell how great they are. They just show how great they are. Um, and I think that's one of the best things that I've always loved about hockey.
0: Well, I think that is a, that's a great shout out. And, um, it's one of those things too, to where I try and I, it's like, I try and as, you know, I'm 36 now. So I consider myself to be like an old man when I'm talking to these kids you now. But as an old man, it's like you just try and tell them to kind of be humble in a way, uh, which I definitely think that uh, you have definitely been, Paul. You were a very good player. And we didn't get to a lot of your career, but I think just what you were able to speak uh, as far as, um, I don't know, just, I can tell that your dad had had taught you a lot. and I can tell that obviously your dad um, obviously was a really good coach. I still think that there was quite a bit that you figured out um, on your own path and uh, things that I wish that more young players would, would take into account. And I think that what you've shared today will be um, it'll be certainly beneficial to uh, all the young kids that listen to this. Uh, I do have to do the shout out. Though. I, um, I don't just have the guests do it. I have to do this as well. Um, but I'm going to go ahead. And I'm going to say my shout out is going to be for uh, for being humble. Um, my dad, since we're talking about dads, and I think that both of our dads had a, a big impact on us, um, one of the things my dad always talked about, or we were talking about sellies and Snipes, uh, he was just he talked about just acting like you had been there before, and I know mm-hmm. that the game evolves, and you know it's it's you know, it is cool to have these little celebrations and whatnot, but there is also something to remaining humble. And acting like scoring a goal is something that, that comes natural. I still think it's the best goal celebration out of everything. I think if anybody picked it up uh, in today's game, it would just become the automatic best celebration in the world. But just acting like you've been there before, acting humble uh, and respectful, and also to your teammates. You, now you see a bunch of kids, they score goals, they do their whole celebration. They might have been the fifth step in that entire uh <laughs> That entire play, you know, they, yeah. they, they may have Or
1: the shuttle core.
0: Yeah. Or the shuttle core, yeah. But, but all of a sudden it's like, they're out, you know, their, their teammates are chasing them down, ready to celebrate with them, but he's taken all the high, that didn't used to be the case. And I was taught that way. Uh, one thing my did, my dad did uh, teach me though is the low five. So if you just skate past your teammate, you're not trying to make a big deal about it. You hold your glove down to the bottom. You skate past them. You give a little low high five, but that's just for you two uh, or whoever. But it's not for everybody else. I do think there's something to that. Uh, but now I understand that everybody has to have their own uh, celebration or their whole, their, their whole thing here. But I do think there's something about remaining humble. And if anybody would just bring back the just cold stare after scoring an awesome goal, I guarantee you that would be just the best celebration of all time.
1: Uh, that's the way I feel. I, I, I don't know. I, honestly, I'd rather have someone enjoy a bowl than to steer someone down. I think at Dragon War page I'd want to take your head off. That <laughs> you, you know, like I do agree to be humble, um, but also enjoy the moment. You know, I mean, I, just, I, I, I mean, there's a way of doing it. Um, there's a way of getting everybody involved, uh, enjoy the moment. You know, because listen, I scored. I scored fifty nine was the most every year ever scored. And then there are guys who only scored six, you know, uh, so you never know what they're going to be. So enjoy, enjoy the goal. But like you said, act like you've done it before though, you know, um, and, you know, that's the one thing though, but the one thing, you know, like you said about my father, though, and he did, was a big influence. I do one thing that I really appreciate is that, uh, I was able to create my own I can. and I do have my own father's name, but to what my father is and what my father teaches, we are completely different. And although a lot of things that I can learn from him. Um, who I am with my skating, my teaching style is Paul the Jr. And that's the one thing I really proud about, um, even though I do have this thing.
0: Hey, well, uh, Paul, I think that's awesome. Um, I'm really glad that we were able to uh to do this. And um and I you know, just the hockey world is a small world and like I said, uh you 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 know um uh you know Fife very well. Fiver, I call him Fife right? Piper very well. <laughs> Um, but it's one of those things to where just w- when a name gets brought up, because we're mainly a Texas uh, hockey, you know, based podcast. But when those things get brought up, and you're you're like, man, that's I heard that name again. And hey, you guys yeah. are out of Massachusetts, there must be something to that for sure. Um, so- well,
1: I mean, I could have told the story about Gary Younger, John John Margetti, because I lived with that Gary Younger. I mean, like I mean, you could do another podcast and just tell you a story about a whole bunch of guys in the jury. <laughs>
0: so well, well well and, and i'm sure that we'll try and uh, we'll try and do that at some point because uh, th- with these funds fun ones and i feel like we're gonna do this too at some point is w- when we haven't gotten the whole story yet which i don't feel like we have with this one yet uh you're gonna come on again because uh, ryan's been on twice harry's been yeah. on twice uh there's just certain ones that i feel like i haven't gotten the uh the full story for oh uh, no. i, I uh...
1: I can give you <laughs> some funny stories. I can give you some funny stories you would never believe from some, well, from those from, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, well, okay. So we'll put it this way. Uh, this is not the last time you're going to be on. Uh, we're going to bring you on again and uh, we might share some of those funny stories.
1: Uh, uh, okay. Uh, yeah.
0: But Paul, uh, before you, I just have to let everybody know how to get a hold of us. Uh, they can find us at faceoffspotpodcast.com. I'll say that one more time. It's faceoffspotpodcast.com. Uh, you can find us on spotify we're on itunes i'm being told anywhere you can find your podcast you can find us Uh, we're on facebook we have an instagram i don't know follow us like us whatever the button is that's next to it uh go ahead and click it uh you will hear from paul vincent uh again uh, because we're gonna have him on the show again because i feel like i want to talk to him longer but i usually try and keep these episodes around the same time Uh, But it sounds like we probably have another hour or so to go. Uh, So, Paul, you will be on again. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it.